Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our TOSIC Phase 1 and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Jamie Stevenson, Vice Chair of the Department of Hematology and Oncology at the TOSIC Cancer Institute. He's uh, talking to me today about virtual visits. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Dale. Happy to uh, participate today, and thanks for inviting me. Sure, absolutely. So maybe just to start, maybe you could just give us a little background on your role here um, at Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, so besides being a uh, thoracic medical oncologist, uh, administratively, I'm the, the vice chairman of the hematology and medical oncology department. So I'm involved in a lot of the operational aspects of, of the department. And also, so as part of that role, I, I've recently been named the distance health champion for the Institute. So I'm really happy to talk about virtual visits here today. Yeah. Uh, since I'll be, I'll really be uh, involved in you know, in the Cleveland Clinic uh, strategy moving ahead. So looking forward to that. Oh, it's, it, it, and that certainly has become front and center, right? So we certainly were doing something in virtual visits, but then the pandemic hit. So tell me a little bit about how that all rolled out and how we've sort of started to grow our presence in virtual visits. It's just, it's really incredible the way the discussions change from January and February to, to where we are now. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, Within TOSIG, within the department, we had talked about, well, how are we going to get docs to do more virtual visits, maybe one or two a month, and just to get them used to the technology and see if they like it. You know, that was kind of, we were sort of slow rolling it um, into, uh, you know, into this year and, and hopefully get people used to it. And then the public health emergency gets declared. Patients don't want to come to the hospital or doctor's offices. And, you know, CMS and other providers recognize that, that telehealth is going to be critical you know, in managing medical issues for our patients and for patients all over the country. So a lot of the restrictions were lifted in terms of uh, reimbursement, uh, starting with Medicare, as well as the types of patients and patient situations that we could use for virtual visits. So by basically creating this wide open virtual space, it it gave us docs and other practitioners the freedom to really get moving on this uh, and uh, and get some experience and and understand how, how best it can work. As you know, it's been, been uh, a little bit challenging, but, but really exciting at the same time. So what do you think are some of the, the greatest benefits from the patient side? So how, how, do, how are patients benefiting most? Well, I think, number one, logistically, you know, being able to participate in their, in their health care you know, from their home, where people are going to be most comfortable, of course. So that takes away all the stress of the travel, of parking, of check-in, getting to the right spot in the in the hospital or the office you know all those things that that lead up to the actual visit and then sitting in a in a waiting room um you know wondering how long you're going to have to wait wondering you know what you should do in the meantime just the atmosphere leading up to the visit and then the visit itself is it's so much more conducive to i think from a patient standpoint for it to be a a, a comfortable visit from you know mentally and, and physically how about the provider side? What do you, what do you see as the biggest uh, sort of advantage as a as a provider? I think that, that from my standpoint, you know, knowing that the patient is is comfortable, and you know, I, I just think I, I can expect that we're going to have a lot of times just have a more even a more meaningful visit, maybe even more productive, uh, and that you know some of the discussion will be 
uh, a lot more efficient. So, so that I think you know helps me to really feel comfortable and and sort of starts that visit you know from a more advantageous kind of beginning. So, have you found that there are specific types of patients that you think this works best? You know, new patients, uh, follow up for therapy or surveillance, or where where do you think this has worked best? Well, first, I would say, you know, of course, the patients patients having uh, you know an internet connection and and camera that they can use to allow this to happen is the most important aspect of it. You know, we we do some phone visits, as you know. They're probably not the same, I think, as, as having, you know, kind of the visual connection that's face-to-face, uh, although phone visits are okay. But I think ultimately being able to do these where we can we can see each other and, and take cues, I think, is, is the best way. Are there thoughts about how to maybe help older patients with this technology? Um, they're used to, you know, for 70 years going to a doctor's office, and now we're like, well, no, you're going to sit in your living room and talk to Dr. Stevenson. Well, I think that most people you know, do have the ability to, to complete a virtual visit. Maybe they, they just don't know it. But uh, uh, again, the majority of folks that we see at least have, have phones with cameras on them, even, even if they don't have, you know, computers that have, you know, cameras attached to them. But the phone works. Uh, it's just a matter of education, which for established patients starts with their visits here and making sure that they've signed up for things like MyChart, you know, so, so really being able to connect through the, uh, the EMR platform is is important. And then a lot of uh, reaching out and education before the visits, uh, which we also have. And, and, and those efforts are just going to grow within, you know, within uh, our institute and within the enterprise that, you know, reaching out to people and, and making sure that they have the, the knowledge that they have the capacity to, uh, to really participate in these visits fully. It seems like that's, that's an important step to sort of making this work most effective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if, again, like I said, even if somebody doesn't have dedicated uh, internet line in their home, they still have the phones with, you know, with access through a phone. So it's really very few patients that we shouldn't be able to reach in this way. Yeah, it makes sense. So I guess the, the, the other thought in terms of patients and who this works best, what your experience has been with either new patients or consult patients, uh, maybe patients who are sort of mid-treatment or surveillance patients, what... What, what do you think is has been sort of the sweet spot or have you had good success with each of them or what, what does the world look like at this point? Uh, of course, our, our patients getting treatment need to come here for their treatments, but there's a lot, a lot of visits that lend themselves to, 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 be, to happen virtually. I, I think, you know, starting off with the kind of the surveillance visits for patients, you know, off of therapy or say post-surgical patients where we're doing uh, imaging surveillance or even say, you know, patients who have anemia and are just getting blood work, um, you know, we can take advantage of all the, all the regional sites around us to have, say, have a patient go get a CAT scan a day or two before the visit, you know, make that a quick trip and then do the visit from their house. We can review the results with them. I mean, I think a, a, what a lot of my current visits are, are entailing, those are really simple. And again, we, that, that allows us to really leverage all of our network and regional sites where we can have folks get imaging done closer to home and we can order those tests easily and, and see the images online. So those, I think those are uh, accounting for a lot of our visits. And then when you come to new visits to new consults, kind of second opinions, I think are going to be increasing again, especially for folks geographically who aren't nearby. These should be great to be done virtually. It's just a matter of, again, getting, getting the records and imaging in front of us. We found a lot of our systems were able to get images actually pushed out from another system into ours so that we can view images without having the radiology disks sent to us. So, 
you know, that's being made a lot easier, which will facilitate new patient visits and, and second opinions. So definitely eliminating any geographic barriers to a patient, you know, being seen by one of us for a new consult, second opinion, opinion about clinical trials as well. I mean, this is uh, certainly grown out of necessity, but it, it, it really does have the potential to change things in a positive way, you know, providing specialty care to rural areas that may not have had it readily available otherwise. And, um, you know, when you think about it, the surveillance visits, if someone's an hour and a half away, um, to make that, you know, three-hour trip back and forth to know that their scans are fine. Um, when you kind of take a step back, it seems silly that that was happening. That's a great point about thinking about, you know, geographically rural, underserved areas, folks that don't have access to, to a lot of specialty care like we provide where we can really be involved in their care, I think, in a much more connected way. So, you know, certainly people who are listening in on the podcast, uh, it, this has become a reality. So a lot of people are certainly getting heavily invested in virtual visits. But thoughts about um, how we picked a, a platform to use for this or things that with our current system, we'd like to maybe optimize. Do you have some thoughts about that? The, the natural lean was to, you know, find a system that would work in a connected way with our EMR. So once that, that was accomplished and that that was found to be functional, that was kind of a no-brainer you know, so that we were consistent with the, the platform that we would use and that we could use it within kind of a, an EMR visit and, you know, document at the same time. So, so that it, it did take us a little while to get there. I mean, relatively, it took a, a couple months, you know, in the pandemic to, to get that started. But now that it has started, you know, it looks like that's going to, going to be the way to go. Uh, and, and then still having kind of telephone visits as a, as a fallback for those patients that, that can't manage the visits within our, our EMR platform that's connected to video. Moving ahead, certainly optimizing it, I, I think it's a little bit of clunkiness at the start, as I'm sure you would echo in terms of that initial connection where sometimes it takes a while, either from the provider end or from the uh, patient end to, to get it fully connected. But I think we're having less kind of, you know, sort of dropouts uh, than we had uh, initially. So things are only going to get smoother and better as we move along. And if we think about it, it's only we're really only into our you know fourth full month of, of doing these, and, and we've learned so much. So the progress has been kind of nearly exponential in terms of how things have moved along. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of that, what, what does that growth look like in terms of kind of, you think, beginning of the year, how many virtual visits actually happened and, and kind of what is that volume now? I can tell you where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to about uh, somewhere around 15 to 20 percent, you know, of total will be virtual visits, you know, by by the end of this year, I'm, I'm just going to imagine that our baseline at the start of this year was way down in single digits. Maybe it was 1% or not. So if you think about how, you know, that, that, that percentage jump in a year from, from maybe 1% or so to 15 to 20% and will likely grow even a bit more over time. Do I think we're going to get to a day where, you know, half of our visits are going to be virtual? No, I, I don't think that'll be appropriate for our specialty, but maybe a third or so? Could it look like that someday? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So maybe we'll uh, end up being in a position where we have one day dedicated to virtual clinic. Yep, we'll, we'll turn our, our offices into studios. <laughs> As I recall, uh, that 15 to 20% goal was, was initially a goal for, you know, not the end of this year, but the end of, you know, a couple of years from now. So it's been a pretty significant increase. Yeah, it's, I agree. So when we think about um, things that, that might be limitations to access, you at the beginning talked about CMS and 
you know, sort of the approvals to do this. Are most insurance companies covering costs of virtual visits now, or, or how does that work yes. at this point? Yes. And, you know, that, that's basically kind of sprung from the, the CMS mandate that, you know, during the public health emergency of the pandemic that, um, again, all these restrictions uh, on types of visits have been lifted and, you know, reimbursements are now in line with, you know, with standard kind of E&M visits. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten guidance outside of, you know, what's going to happen after the public health emergency is, has ended. But, you know, we expect that, you know, CMS will continue to, to reimburse, you know, at near in-person rates for telehealth and, uh, and that, you know, private payers will follow as well. The change in that world, we, we think, will also continue moving ahead. A lot of the details will remain to be seen, but I, I think it'll work out. One of the limitations initially... Um, and you also mentioned this uh, earlier, was about changes in our ability to, to, to reach out and, and, and have visits with patients out of state. There have been changes, uh, just to clarify, changes uh, in terms of our ability to, to, to provide medical advice to patients out of state at this point? Yes. There were some restrictions, uh, again, that were in place prior to the uh, to the pandemic uh, that have been lifted. So that's really expanded our ability to do consults, especially new consults with patients out of state. I, there's every reason to think that we'll be able to continue to do that in the future um, since with experience, it, it's clear you know, how advantageous these types of visits can be. So you know, other limitations on prescribing and things, you know, there, there may be some more details that, that'll have to be worked out with that, but at least you know, knowing that that we can see patients outside of Ohio without restriction at this point is that's a big step. And a lot of uh, shared electronic medical record sort of across health systems that helps with that as well. So even if a patient's yeah. far away, we could still pretty much see everything going on with them. So that certainly helps. What do you think is next? What's the next big move in these virtual visits and telemedicine? And where, what do we need to improve? What, what, do you, what would you like to see better? Well, I think that, you know, as you know, we're, we are working on maybe... Uh, on patients having access to these to virtual visits outside of our normal working hours, so that that'll just make it more convenient for patients. Where some of us will be working late or a little bit earlier, and uh, you know, patients don't have to take time out of work to to do their visits with us. So that will be something that you know that will expand and that, that we've already started. Also, doing potentially you know uh, having multiple providers involved in, in virtual visits, doing multidisciplinary care through a virtual visit. You know, how can we make those work? That's also going to be, um, you know, something that we'll see moving ahead. So really expanding the scope of who a, uh, a patient interacts with um, during a visit. And it seems like uh, if we could interact with more family um, as well, that could be helpful. So Yeah, and, and I think we've seen that, you know, again, with more experience and, and with the platform that we're now using, you know, the ability for um, patients to bring other family members in in a video link at that same visit. So that that's really cool. Well, Jamie, you've given us some great insight. Um, any additional thoughts? Any additional comments? No, it's a brave new world. And, uh, and it's great to be at the forefront of it. And uh, it's, these are obviously challenging times right now. But as we've seen in other aspects of medicine and the world, there, there are really going to be some, some positive things that will come out of it. Well, well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Dale. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, 
SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.